Sports and Recreation Center on the campus of the College of Staten Island. It's time for the Dolphin Pod, the official College of Staten Island Athletics Podcast. With your host, David Pizzuto. Austin Mick with a nine-point lead. Mick flying to the perimeter, gets it over to Latunji for three. Dolphins work it back up to 12 points. In-depth stories, reviews and previews, interviews, and so much more. It's all right here. And now for the Dolphin Pod, here is your host, David Pizzuto. And welcome into the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com and all of our broadcast entities, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. This is episode 29. We are premiering our show on Friday, July 24th of 2020. I'm David Pizzuto being joined by my co-host, Nicholas Duran. Nick, welcome to another week. Hey, Dave. Happy to be here for a full week this week and ready to get going. Excellent, excellent. And we have a great show lined up for our listeners. Uh, Not one, but two guests uh, in a few minutes, actually. CSI Director of Athletics, Charles Gomes, is going to join us for uh, a segment that we'll preview in just a moment. And then later on, we are going to have James Delahanty join us. Uh, Men's basketball team, obviously, a a, a great four-year career for James, filled with so many great highlights and and, uh, championships to boot. So uh, we welcome James on the show a little bit later. And uh, our show today is going to be concentrated on as usual, our summer top 10 countdowns. We had the number six moment on the Sportsnet's most mo- most watched countdown from the past year. That was men's basketball against CCNY in early December. It was the CUNY home opener for the Dolphins, as Nick knows very well. And then the number six moment on the Flashback Friday countdown, which debuted just a couple of minutes ago on CSIDolphins.com, was also men's basketball. It was their double overtime tournament of heroes victory over uh, Curry College. Uh, actually, it was my number one choice for top moment. Every staff member gets gets a vote, and it was my number one choice. I thought that game was just terrific. It was filled with highs and lows. We're going to talk to James a lot more about that. I'll get Nick's perspective as well. But Nick, uh, a jam-packed show, and partly because on Friday of last week when we debuted the Dolphin Pod just a few minutes before that, we got the notice from the ECC that both fall and winter sports would be suspended um, until at least January 1st. Well, obviously, that'll be revisited uh, down the road. It wasn't shocking news, Nick, considering the the topic of discussion you know, globally, but still, uh, news like that is always a little bit jarring, right? Yeah, I think, I think it's kind of what everybody expected, but when it actually happens, it's kind of like, okay, this is real. Now, what are the next steps? And I think like that's kind of the uncertainty for a lot of um, athletes coming in, athletes that are here, and parents as well, because it's more of the uncertainty that's scary and that you don't know. So, you know, uh, having you on the air, having Charles on the air, like those are big things for, for any student that's going to the school now is because you get the inside information right here. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. And, you know, even though we do get a lot of inside information out, there's still a lot to be gathered as well, you know, even administratively. And of course, you know, speaking to Charles almost on a daily basis, there's plenty of questions that we have. And we'll specifically ask Charles what some of his questions are uh, as well. And what we do plan to do on the Dolphin Pod is uh, weekly, maybe once every two weeks as we begin to learn more information. Uh, We're going to be sharing that with Charles. Charles has agreed to do some special 
dolphin pod appearances that are just him and him alone uh, talking to you and I with specific questions that are um, given to us by the by the public, whether it's parents, whether it's student athletes, whether it's just CSI students in general or fans of the college, um, basically trying to answer those questions in the order in which we get them right here live on the air and share those answers with with all of our population. So Charles has been good enough to do that. And in just a few moments, we'll get him on the air as well. While Charles gets ready um, for us, uh, Nick, let's talk a little bit about the countdowns and and work backwards a little bit. The number six moment on Sportsnet Countdown, we want to give it its due. It has a place in the countdown. May as well cover it. CSI men's basketball's win over CCNY, number six on our list for good reason. It was your CUNY opener. And, you know, Nick, as much focus as we put on some of the Division II games in the conference, which I'm sure those were the ones that were circled on your schedule, those CUNY games were also really important. You guys had a big bullseye on your back this entire year within the CUNY because we are moving up. Everybody wants to take that last game against the Dolphins, but on your home court, you you guys really got it done and made a statement against the Beavers early in the season. Yeah, um, it was a great game, great atmosphere for the day. I, I can't tell if you're sucking up or trying to make me feel comfortable <laughs> by all these basketball moments, but uh, I am enjoying it. Um, that CCNY game, like you said, uh, it came right after a string of Division Two games. Um, we just uh, beat NYIT the game before, so we finally felt like we were rolling a little bit, and it felt good rolling into the CUNY. Um, felt great having it at home, uh, which is what we kind of needed because we were on the road for so long. Um, one of the things that stand out, uh, about that game mainly is, uh, Chris Velasquez mm-hmm. who got the picture on the website. It's, it should be, um, I mean, he shot 50% for the game. He had 16 points. Um, it's one of his most memorable games for the year. And it was just a game where, you know, he couldn't miss and he needed that because he, he hasn't shot well all year. And that kind of gave him the confidence, the boost he needed. And, you know, it, it's what we knew he could do from the coaches to the players. So um, it was good to see. It was a, a great first game to introduce us to the um, CUNY. And like I said, it was great that it was home because for whatever reason, for the, the seven years that I've been here, we just always play terrible at CCNY at their gym. Mm-hmm. So to have them home first and settle into the CUNY, uh, I think really helped us out early. Yeah, and I can definitely be... Uh, witness to the fact that we've always struggled at CCNY for some yeah. reason. Uh, it's just not a place where we we shoot the ball very well. And obviously, it could be the depth of the gym and sight lines and things like that. But, um, you know, certainly it, w- it was nice to pick up that first win against the Beavers. You guys struggled when you went there later in the year. But what stands out about that game too, Nick, was the was the uh, amount of depth that you guys showed in that game. You had, I believe it was four or five players that, sh- that uh, posted double figures. Uh, yeah, we had four. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Addy, I know Joe was up there as well. Um, you know, so it was a, a balanced effort. But le- uh, like you mentioned with Velasquez, kind of um, you need that from some of your younger players. You know, Chris lost a half a season last year, uh, his freshman year. So this was really his first full season with the team. And those are the kind of kids that you want to see um, have production early in a season because they end up being big crutches for you down down the season. And we saw, even in other games, Chris never did put up 16 points again, but he had some really big individual moments down the stretch. And it's games against CCNY that help, you know, nurture that along. Yeah, Chris Chris is, is, a, is a different kind of kid. I mean, he is as strong as they come, but he's also as in his head as they come. So 
he he needs good performances like that to continue his productivity in the in the future and his his main goal for for us coming in as a freshman and even into this year is to be a defensive dog and that's what he always does so when you could see him on the stat sheet with with 16 points i mean you you can't have a better feeling for a kid just off the the fact that that's not what he's there for and that's not what we're asking him to do he just happened to do it that night and he can do it any night it's just not what we ask him to do we ask him to go up to the best player and shadow him every second he's on the court so to see him do it on the other side which we've all seen before recruiting him is great to see and i think it helped his confidence through the year and there were times when we couldn't take him off the court and it wasn't because of those 16 points. It was because of everything else. So when a kid finally gets to that point, it's it's great to see. And then getting a win at home makes it 10 times better. Great. So for those of you who didn't get to see that game, both in person or on CSI Sportsnet, be sure to do that. You can catch uh, the links up on CSIDolphins.com or, of course, on uh, CSI Sportsnet page uh, on our former YouTube channel. Of course, CSI Sportsnet has moved to the ECC network for 2020-2021. We will have more basketball coming up a little bit later in the show. But, Nick, I'm being told that Charles uh, Gomes is ready for us to talk a little bit more about the major news story that broke uh, late last week and, of course, into the weekend uh, with questions abound. Uh, That was the ECC's decision to suspend the fall and winter seasons till January 1st. So on the line with us now is Director of Athletics Charles Gomes, who is nice enough to lend us uh, five uh, to ten minutes of his time here briefly to kind of introduce um, what we'll be talking about in earnest for the next few weeks on the Dolphin Pod and in other segments uh, as well from time to time uh, to talk about, obviously, the ECC's decision to suspend the fall season and, of course, not uh, introduce competitive play till at least January 1st. Charles, how are you this morning? Morning, guys. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Doing, doing pretty well, all things considered. And um, before we even continue, I just want to say a special congratulations to your new co-host, Nick Duran, here. Um, congrats on his promotion to associate head men's basketball coach. Uh, definitely well-deserved. Nick, you've done a great job, and congratulations. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Look forward to the future. Yeah, and uh, and Charles, you know, obviously the biggest news um, from last week, and it debuted side-by-side with when we did the Dolphin Pod. We didn't get to talk about it last week, but obviously the ECC's decision to suspend activity for the fall sports uh, it's raised a lot of questions, obviously, uh, a lot of dominoes falling now uh, from here. We know what the national conversation is, but for those people who kind of want to dig a little bit deeper into that announcement, you know, what you know, what does it actually mean for us here? Uh, does it affect our standing in Division Two? What can you tell us a little bit more about that decision that came down last week? So you said that would it affect us with the NCA? And as you know, we found out just recently that we advanced a year two of our provisional period for Division Two membership. And one of the questions I asked when we received that information was because we knew this was a possibility at the time, as you've seen the momentum building a lot of conferences canceling the fall season. So I asked if that would, if canceling the fall would have an impact on a sports sponsorship and, and thereby our provisional status. And we were told from the NCA, similar to the spring that we just dealt with with the cancellation there, that the NCA has an understanding that this is not a, a CSI challenge. It's a national challenge. It's happening all over the country. Just within our region for Division Two, all three conferences in the region have now canceled competitive play. Um, 
and honestly, from a decision-making process, it almost becomes a no-brainer because you're just seeing the momentum build where literally you wouldn't wouldn't even have other schools to compete against. And when you look at the guidance that the the, the medical guidance that the NCA has come out with recently uh, regarding testing and quarantines and those types of things, it makes competition uh, really impossible at this stage for most schools. So. Uh, what we're hoping to focus on is really practicing, providing our student athletes a great experience on the practice field, letting them develop as students and athletes with our coaches and with their faculty and their, their classes that they're taking and trying to make the most of that. Um, as I mentioned, the NCAA guidelines, they've come out with return to play guidelines, resocialization, and we'll obviously we'll follow all of those. We'll follow all the state and local guidance as well. Uh, and providing our student athletes a safe experience where they can continue to develop as both students and athletes. And and now that you the statement is out, Charles, um, you know one of the biggest things going forward is going to be um, player safety, and you know parents are going to be very concerned about it. So, can you explain a little bit, you know, some of the decisions that the ads and the pcs have made, you know, in terms of competition, player safety moving forward? Yeah, this is for the ECC. We've actually developed a few different subcommittees. We get on a weekly call with all athletic directors, associate ADs, senior women administrators. So now one of our subcommittees is strictly about the health and safety for student athletes. So we're developing as a conference guidance for what those protocols should be. Uh, any school has a right to go beyond that, but we are developing a set of minimum standards. So right now, uh, planned move in for Dolphin Cove and our, on our campus begins it's a five-day phase period uh beginning i believe august 23rd i going that off the top of my head might be the 22nd 22nd 23rd around there um and we won't be able to start activities on campus athletic activities for a period of about two weeks uh and if you look at the the guidelines that the nca has already established it starts with a lot of small group training trying to remain outside as much as possible for your conditioning and and any type of practices that you're holding, uh, small group sizes and building over the course of the semester to larger groups, trying to keep our student athletes in cohorts as much as possible. Um, you know, the, the big challenge is always going to be the, the lack of control that we have over our student athletes um, from the time when they're not with us. So if they're electing to go home, if they're, um, you know, going anywhere else off campus, you know, we want to try to educate them as much as possible about the activities that they engage in and what's more, what's a higher risk versus lower risk. So there will be a lot of education of our student athletes over that time. Uh, actually, you know, from, from now until we get them on campus and continuing once we get them here, uh, things even like our training room, you know, we've discussed our, our new protocols for the training room, which would, you know, Nick, you'd be familiar with this. You'd go in there at any point and you'd see maybe eight or 10 athletes in the room. Well, now that will be by appointment only. So student athletes will have to reserve time on the, on the app. And, uh, you know, if they're going to be in at 830 for treatment, then there'll be a break of a few minutes until the next athlete can come in. We can clean the place down. Um, and we're going to set up similar protocols for all of our facilities uh, and just really being as safe and cautious as possible with their health and, and best interest in mind. Yeah, Charles. And one of the things that, you know, we've talked a lot uh, offline about is that the fact 
that the situation is constantly moving. It's a moving target. Uh, there's there's questions that come up every hour, every day, and and new and improved answers to those questions. And they'll and there'll be a lot more, and we'll discuss them a lot more. Um, on this uh, on this show, some questions that we'll pull from the audience. You know, I guess to end this segment because it is an abbreviated one with you. Um, everybody has questions about what this means for fall sports, even winter sports, uh, and then into the spring as well, and what some of the new protocols will be. But uh, what a lot of people forget is that you know you have a lot of questions as well as an athletic director. <laughs> you know what are what are some of the things that you're hoping for for answers to, or one of the some of the you know. Um, questions that you seek answer during this during this process that still have to come into focus as we near the fall semester what are some of the questions you're hoping to have answered in the coming weeks well there's a lot of them it could be you know we still have some campus-based questions but then there are some larger picture nca questions too so um and the thing that i feel good about is the nca i thought handled the spring as well as, as could be handled and as questions came up they addressed in weekly Q and A sessions and would put out waivers. You know, just like if I, if I was a softball player, um, you know, we learned we, we weren't sure at first would those student athletes get the year back of eligibility, and they did. And you know, those things come up on a very regular basis, and it they develop sometimes from questions from our coaches, from our student athletes that we bring to the NCAA, that we bring to our conference. And I felt good of. As, as bad of a situation as it was in the spring, you don't want to see anything canceled. And now we're seeing it in the fall. I feel like the NCAA did show a great deal of flexibility. So while we have a million questions, whether it's, uh, you know, if I'm a soccer player now and I've just found out I'm canceled, what happens if I participate in practice in the fall? Am I utilizing a year of eligibility? Or if I participate in a couple of games in the spring, how will that affect my eligibility going forward? Especially if I'm a freshman and I want to debate I'm debating to myself, Do I? is it even worth utilizing my, my eligibility? My guess right now is that the NCA won't use that year, but it's, that's not set in stone yet. So, you know, we're going to try to bring as many questions from our student athletes, from our coaches, back to our conference and to the NCA. And the hope is that every week, which is why I'm excited to get on this weekly podcast with both of you, is we can bring answers to people as soon as we have them. You know, like Dave, you and I did a call with some uh, baseball recruits and their parents last night. And what I said to them is the same thing that I'll tell everybody. I have questions. They have questions. As soon as we have them answered, we'll provide those answers to everyone. And we'll, we'll try to utilize our social media, the podcasting, our website, any means necessary to, as soon as we have those answers, to provide those out to our student athletes, our incoming freshmen, and their parents just so everyone feels in the, as in the loop as possible. But I ask for everyone's patience because, as you mentioned, since this since mid-March, this has literally been an, an ever-evolving situation, whether it's by the day, the week, the hour. Um, and it just requires patience and understanding from all, of the, from all of us that are involved in this situation. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of patience and, and answers to questions, Charles, you're at, you actually have a meeting in just a, a few minutes' time, so we do want to let you go, but we really thank you for giving us, a, you know, at least five, ten minutes just of quick insight and remind people that there are questions and, uh, you know, the department is exploring answers to those questions, and you do plan to bring them uh, up here in the podcast for future episodes. So if you haven't already, visit the CSI landing page on COVID-19. Uh, it's available on our website, 
csidolphins.com. Submit a question for Charles, and and he will try to get answers uh, to those questions out over the air to everybody. Charles, thanks again for all your time. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate having you on. I look forward to, to doing this every week and providing everybody updates as soon as we have them. So thank you both. Excellent. Thank you, Charles. Excellent. Have a good day, guys. Have a good day, Charles. So that was Charles Gomes, Director of Athletics at the College of Staten Island. What Nick and I will do is uh, take a break, step out, and when we come back, we will have men's basketball graduated senior James Delahanty join us uh, on the Dolphin Pod. It's all coming up next right here on Episode 29. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. Champions know how to seize opportunities. When they see moments of greatness unfold right before their eyes, they push as hard as they possibly can. And then they push harder because the heart of a champion never settles, never quits, and never stops giving its all. We are champions. We are Division II. We go big, we give it everything we've got, and we win on the field, on our campuses, in our communities, for our causes, in our careers. We rise to become champions in everything we do. We are Division II, and there are no limits here. We make our time count. We set our own path. We become champions on our terms. It's time to up your game because we're here to play and learn. But most importantly, we're here to discover ourselves, our vision, our heart, our drive to achieve every goal we aim for because we want to be champions at the highest level, life. At Division II, the opportunities are here. Are you ready? Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod, right here on CSIDolphins.com. And welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com and anywhere you might be listening to us, whether it's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. We are premiering episode 29 on July 24th, 2020, uh, a jam-packed show, two guests. We just spoke to uh, Athletic Director Charles Gomes, and now Nick and I are being joined by someone uh, Nick is very familiar with, uh, saw each other just about every day. James Delahanty joins us on the Dolphin Pod. James, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Very good, very good. And, um, you know, kind of weird maybe being being interviewed by your by your former coach, James? Yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, <laughs> never thought I'd be getting interviewed by him like this. No, uh, it makes it comfortable. Come on, James. <laughs> yeah, Come on. I, I'm going to refer to you as the rest of the segment as Billy, just so everybody knows. Nice. All right? that okay? It's perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, so, James, let me start off by just introing the uh, uh, the segment. Obviously, every, every week, uh, every podcast during the summer, we really reflect on the top moments of the past year and and the CSI staff gets together they vote on their number one two three and four uh best moments of the year and coming in at number six this week was CSI men's basketball's game against Curry College it introduced the tournament of heroes 
a double overtime win for you guys. This was actually number one on my list because it was the most exciting game I was a part of, uh, even though there were there were plenty of great of great moments. But how does it make you feel to know that uh, you guys did make it into the top 10 uh, in our first year as a Division II team to really, uh, you know, have one of the top moments of the season? It was um, very, very honored, but that game was very um, insane. <laughs> uh, you could put it. It was up and down game. It was back and forth the whole time. <laughs> the double overtime, the buzzer beaters that we hit, the defense that we played, it was it was just a very intense game the whole time. Yeah, and I remember covering that game on Sportsnet and just saying on a couple of times, oh, this game is over. And and some of the time it was because we were winning the game. And then I think in overtime, mm-hmm. they had taken a big lead. And I was like, this game is over. Curry has come back. But uh, yeah. yeah, it just goes to show you can never can never count us out. Really can't count any team out to the final buzzer. You know, James, I want to speak a little bit more about that game specifically. But, but let's start at the very beginning with you. Um, you know, you were um, the only four-year senior on this past year's team. And uh, obviously, you come from a basketball family. We're very familiar with your brother, Thomas, having played at CSI before you. So, you know, tell me a little bit about your roadmap getting to CSI and what ultimately got you to play uh, for the Dolphins. Um, well, when I first started in high school, I guess I was getting a little looks from a couple different colleges. Um, I talked to the coaches at CSI when I was a uh, when they would come to the games to watch other people and stuff. So I just ultimately just felt more comfortable staying home and uh, playing at CSI. Yeah, James, um, with you coming in and, and, you know, your brother leaving, so now you're kind of taking over the the role of the Delahanty on the team, um, which it, it, in the basketball terms was one of the smarter players on our team. Um, how do you feel like you – you know, you came in, you didn't play much your freshman year, and then that sophomore year you jumped right into a starting role right away uh, in the transition of a new coach. So how do you feel like your leadership skills really helped you through the beginning of your career? Uh, it helped me just become a more, like, better person, outgoing person, know how to try to communicate better with people when I'm trying to teach them something and just try to help more people, like, become the best that they could be that growth is it was great to see because you could see it when you first came in it was very you know you you never shied away from being a leader and you might have not talked as much as you do now but you never shied away from from helping somebody out so i think that's one thing like you definitely grew going along with yeah i i, I do see that because i definitely ended up talking a lot more than i agree. I agree. <laughs> and, you know, James, when, w- one of the things that you could see very outwardly, you know, if you just look at the numbers is, is obviously, you know, your statistics are not going to pop off the page. You know, you're, you're one of those players who, you know, who comes in, whether it's in a starting role or coming off the bench to really provide um, some very valuable minutes. And when you sit down and talk to coaches like TJ Tibbs and they break down a game and you guys would break down games for, for a long time. Uh, and having sidebar conversations with him, he'd always mention, you know, the one or two minutes or the five minute stretches where you played in games, especially later in your career. How did you view your role on the team and the minutes that you were logging? What are you trying to accomplish out there? I just wanted to uh, get in the game, get the best minutes I could, help the team give us a boost in whichever way we needed, whether it was just on the defense or helping somebody get open 
or just pointing out what they're doing wrong. Just trying to win as at all costs. Yeah, and yeah, to, piggy, to piggyback that, I mean, I think James was, was really important at the very beginning of games and the very end of games. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we, we would save him for at times because we needed him to just guide the ship on the court and he was the one to do it. And I think some of his most memorable moments probably come from beginning of games, like the John Jay game where you come out and you hit a three to start the game. Like, who's going to predict that? And I think that's that's where he helped the most for us was beginning and end. You got to start it and you got to finish the game. So I think, you, did you feel that through your career? Yes, I did. Definitely. I was, uh, I felt like I'd play more during the beginning and end. And just like the rest at the middle, I'll just be watching and observing to see what we could fix and do better. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, when, when they view a roster and they look at, and they look at size almost first and foremost, you know, they, they go down the roster list. They look, all right, who's above, who's above six, five and, and over. And, and, and you're that on our team, on a, on a team that was relatively small, especially this year. Um, you know, you're that big guy in the interior who's going to move people around, who's going to play, uh, you know, big defensive minutes, especially with the absence of Shamal, James. How did that role kind of, you know, look for you of being that that one true guy in the middle? It really um, heightened, like, my sense that I'm going to need to uh, be more physical and just be more prepared when I get into the game to guard the big uh, big man on the other team. Yeah, um, with... Um a lot of the division two stuff now and, and, and the transition of that, how do you, how do you feel that even got harder this year? I mean, the first seven games we've played, I mean, every kid, we haven't seen kids like that before. And, and to do that in your senior year where you're supposed to be kind of the big dog is how did that feel? And how did you guys feel like as a team coming into the early season? It was definitely a change of perspective when we've played our first two games and that about over, five to six, six, seven kids on their each team. So it definitely changed my perspective that I was going to have to play a lot more and uh, be more like, just be prepared for the height and the challenge that was in front of me. Yeah. You know what, James? And I, you know, that's a really great point because one of the things that we spoke about administratively when we made the decision to go to division two was, you know, how it would affect obviously our recruiting and scheduling and this and that. But, you know, one of the other questions is, you know, how does it affect our, our returning players, our upperclassmen, our juniors, our seniors, those kids that wouldn't get a chance to play in another postseason? And you're, you're a real special case because in your previous three years, all you've known is CUNY championships. You know, you won a couple and then, of course, lost one on a buzzer beater, but always there at the end. So for you personally, put me in your head when you get the news that we're going Division Two, the excitement part and then kind of weighing that against the part like, oh, man, that was my last shot at a CUNY championship. Yeah, when I first got the news, I when I first heard the, uh, first heard the news, I was kind of caught off guard. I was like, wow, so that was my last chance to win another championship. But then the little excitement kicked in, like, hey, I'm going to be playing against better competition. I'm going to see more talented players. I'm going to learn from people, see what they do, and just become a better overall person in basketball and just grow my knowledge of the game. Yeah, very good point about growing growing the knowledge because sometimes when you're when you're playing, you know, a, a 16 game, you know, regular season against CUNY schools, you know, it puts you in a real different universe when you're kind of, you know, 
getting out of there and now playing a lot of a lot of division two schools granted we still played the cunies twice a year but you guys had a heavy dose of division two teams and as nick alluded to right off the bat right out of the gate you guys are on a plane to florida uh which is a great experience but then you take the court and you're playing really you know murderer's row of division two what were those first couple of games like for you i know the experience of florida was great but obviously coming out of those two games the way it went down what were some of the takeaways there well it was more like a shock that how like i just couldn't believe how much different the um this and i was caught off guard at first but then on the season when we came back home we started playing more d2 competition at home mm-hmm. but the beginning of the season was definitely tough with those first couple of losses to the first two teams that we played great uh, how, how do you feel that we came out of that trip like so we take the trip we obviously had a great time overall but basketball wise like seeing that talent seeing how good they were how like does that put it in your head as a person and as a team give us the the overall look as the team when you come back to say like wow they're just really good like there's no other way to put it just they're good at everything because that's how i kind of felt yeah they were like all around um they were all around excelled at what they could do and uh even if they had a flow they had like 10 people on the bench who could do the same thing it's all as good. So it was very, uh, very shocking to see the uh, difference in the, in the uh, teams that we played. Now, coming back and playing the couple more local teams, and, you know, we had Stack, which was obviously a, a higher talent than some of the other Division Two schools scattered in. Mm-hmm. How do you feel after that matching up with the other teams? Do you I feel, feel like, like I, you I feel gained like- an advantage in Florida? Yeah, I do feel like we gained an advantage in Florida because I felt like it made us prepared and we saw what we had to get to. And we tried to, every day in practice, we tried our hardest. Like, we would go at each other. We'd be just talking the whole time, making sure, like, nobody's doing, uh, nobody's taking a day off or anything. We were just trying to be the best team that's possible after we saw the first couple of games. Like, and that's why I think we did our, uh, did better in this other D2 games that we had at home. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that too, James. And and this is coming from eyes that, you know, I've, I attended some of your practices you know, a few minutes mm-hmm. at a time here and there, but as someone who's truly outside looking in, you could tell, uh, you know, you could visually see the differences in confidence once you had some of those home division twos under your belt and obviously the big win over NYIT. I know it took some time for you guys to register that first win. It was a sweet one. It was the home opener. It was NYIT. But what did that win against um, that future ECC school, what did that do for the morale of the team, the morale of the locker room, the way you approached practice the next day, and the way you kind of view yourself, uh, yourselves in the mirror? Um, you know, What did that game do for you guys, that big win over NYIT? Um, that game just showed us that we can compete with anybody. Whenever we're at our best, we can beat anybody. We just can't take a day off. We just got to be prepared for every single game, every single moment, every single play. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, Nick and I were joking a little bit earlier in the broadcast about, um, you know, even though you guys were were really looking forward to those D2 games, those CUNY games meant a whole lot as well, because, um, you know, you guys always have a bullseye on your back in the CUNY because we're, we're, we've always been so good consistently. But this year, especially when other CUNY schools hear the news that we're going to Division Two, it makes us a mark. It makes us a target. It puts a big bullseye on our back. And those the games against us are the ones that they circle on their calendars. So, you know, what can you tell me about the way you guys approach the CUNY schedule and the extra little motivation your opponents had to beat you guys this year? You come into the season that all the teams were looking at us. They wanted to beat us because we were just the CUNY team that was leaving their conference. So they thought this is their last chance to play us and beat us. So they all came out ready and we just had to be ready to Play them. Yep. Yeah. How do, how do you feel on your last time around playing CUNY teams? And, you know, it's your last year, so that that was it for your experience, but also the school's experience. So how do you feel leaving the CUNY and, and feel like the year went, even though we might have not had the record we wanted, how do you feel like as a team we left the CUNY? Uh, I think we left at a high note, but <clears throat> I do – I think it was crazy that just – that we were leaving because I just remember sitting in the Y locker room and I was talking, we were talking about how many times we played at CCNY in our like careers and lifetimes, how many championships we couldn't go play there and stuff. And it's just like, man, this is only like CSI ever plays here. Yeah, just, I get, I, you have a lot of, you had a lot of memorable moments in a lot of those buildings other than our building. You yeah. know, CCNY is a gym that, you probably hold close to your heart, um, winning a championship there, even playing at Hunter and losing the championship at the yeah. buzzer. Yeah. You know, like th- those are very memorable places for you. Like, how do you feel about playing in the CUNY through the years? Like, how did you feel about your experience of the school and, and being the so-called big dog of the conference? Um, leaving the CUNY like that was very, um, well, first, it being my last year, it was kind of sad when I was going to all these games, and all these like other uh, courts, because I was like, this is going to be the last time I'd be here. Not going to have a chance to play this the championship. So it was kind of saddening. But it was definitely was um, great being the uh, the team that everybody had to beat and everybody wanted to play because we were just that team, whatever our roster looked like. So we were just ready. Just had to be ready for our every game. Great. And, you know, some of the most memorable games, you know, in my memory, James, through the years is is our tournament of heroes. And that kind of leads us back to where we first started with that game against Curry, one of our, you know, best attended games of the season, one of the raucous crowd. Uh, I know Curry brought a lot of uh, a lot of fans because they had a Staten Island contingent on their team. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, everything was set up perfectly. I mean, every uh, that tournament serves to honor, obviously, the heroes of 9-11. And, you know, it's a tournament that we hold really dear and close to our hearts. And then to come out and play a game like that, double overtime, our only double overtime game of the season, uh, and then to come out with a win – that that had to be a great locker room after that game. Yeah, after, after that game, it was it was insane energy. The double overtime, just how everything fell into place. I would think, I believe in the first overtime. I think we got back to back steals to tie it up again. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a trap with Rigo and Addy or something, and they got a layup, and then they forced another turnover on the press. I just remember 
that so vividly on on the court and how we uh it was an up and down battle the whole time and it was a great win for the team yeah definitely back and forth i know you guys had um a little bit of a lead there and then they had tied it up um uh jared thorpe johnson i think his name was he was just automatic at the end making all those threes Mm -hmm. to help them tie the game and then we rebounded and you know james i know we you've seen it up close so many times but Another senior on the team, Adiola Latunji, a three-year senior. You know, he went off that game. He played all 50 minutes. He had 38 mm-hmm. points. You know, he was the rock. He was the scoring rock that your team, uh, you know, yeah. boasted this year. And everybody else kind of just played, you know, um, you know, just accentuated his play. Uh, you know, tell me about that performance. Was that the best The best you've seen Addy play? Yeah, that was one of the best. He was just a motor. He's keeping us going throughout. He was just prepared for that moment, like he always is. Um, so the the uh, going into it, I mean, uh, the end of the Curry game, for anybody that's complaining about sports not being on TV could watch this, and it's just as good. I watched it yeah. this morning, and the end of it to, of regulation is crazy because they hit a three with 18 seconds. We travel. We give them back the ball. Um you know, what is the feeling of the overall team coming out into the first overtime? Because, you know, you're great friends with Joe Zeris and played with him for years. Like, take us into his head a little bit and, and what you were thinking on the sideline and and how we came out so strong in the first overtime. When that happened, he was down on himself, but I knew he was going to be ready because he came in, locked in to the huddle. He started off with a big three to start off the court, uh, start off the first time, uh, overtime, but he was prepared definitely mentally. He knew we messed up, but he was all back at it and try to get get his team ahead again, get us ahead. Now with another crazy game going on on our schedule, right before that we had Meg Rivers, and <laughs> I mean we threw that one away at the end. So was there like feeling of just like oh here we go again, and you know. We have to pull out these games at least. And how is the feeling of, of that overall? Um, the feeling of that game was we were uh, we were away. Whenever you go into Mega, it's just always tough, tough match because they're their whole James Small dead fans in the stands. It's just not a. It's just a better moment you play there. And then bringing that into to our gym for that Curry game, I feel like that really helped us in the end because I feel like the whole bench, if you watch it, you're very vocal. I think, were you sick that game in the Curry um, game? Because you weren't, you weren't high-fiving everybody. Yeah, I believe so. I think I had a, I, uh, I think I I came down so. with a, a cold or something. Yeah, if you watch the game, you're one of the most vocal people, one of the most up people on the bench. and That's why I ask your, your feeling about a lot of things because you were kind of the feeling for the team this year. Yeah. Yeah, you know, James, uh, you know, going back to the actual theme of of the night too. It was a, it was a late night because even the first game went a little long by the time you guys finished it was deep into the night and then you have all the other weighty stuff going on which is of course remembering 9/11 and obviously everything that that happened there. You know, understanding mm-hmm. what the night is all about, James. I know um, I was at your practice or your walkthrough before the game, and I remember TJ giving you guys a real long talk about the significance of the night, of what it means to the families that come, uh, what happened, his his um, his experiences that day, and, and what he went through. So, as a team, how did how do you guys approach 
the tournament of heroes what are some of the what are some of the feelings you have centered around uh when you do this tournament especially since it's it's nestled right into the holiday season uh when you're with family and and things like that so tell me a little bit about the feelings that go into the tournament every year it's our extended csi family it's for the heroes who um passed away that day and we try to remember them by being the best that we could be that they would always come out and play strong and we just we just thought we had to play uh just like them great and uh and james you know it's hard to believe we've already been on the line for about 23 24 minutes so um i want to ask you another few questions while we have them and and you know let's let's fast forward a little bit to the season itself you know a lot of people will look at your win-loss record and say oh man dolphins had a really bad season 9 and 16 how could that be this is not a, a program that does that but but really down the stretch especially you guys overturned some losses that you had in the beginning of the year turned them into wins you really played well down the stretch especially especially at home for the people who maybe just look at numbers what don't they see about this team what are some of the growth you know um you know some of the instances of growth that we've seen with this team and and you know how do you feel like you've left the program uh on what kind of footing yeah well um i think there's a lot of growth on this team because we had a lot of people like Austin, for example, mm-hmm. he really would never thought he would be like the starting point guard for the team, especially with uh, Christian there. Mm-hmm. But when Qu- Christian was uh, out for the season, he said he's going to redshirt and have uh, surgeries. He opted into that idea. He um, Austin really stepped up and uh, he made uh, big changes game. Whether it's bringing up the ball, just knowing the plays for for the team, mm-hmm. and came prepared. A lot of other people stepped into a big role too. Like Chris Velasquez, he stepped up and played a lot of big minutes in big games at times. Um, Andrew Cartels was playing a lot. Joe Zeres was playing a lot too. Like everybody just started playing bigger and more important minutes throughout their uh, throughout the season. Great. With the um, end of the season coming around, you know we lost a couple of games. We won a couple of games. We lost a couple of games. So, how do you feel other than you know, people progress and how do you feel like we left as, you know, a family, a brotherhood? Like, how is your your group leaving the next group? I think they're going to be ready for the next upcoming season. Because we made sure that, that they knew what they had to do for this uh, upcoming Division Two season that they'll be playing in. They knew they're, they're going to, it's going to be tough, but they're definitely ready for it. Yeah, I feel like you, Addy, you know, Kopeg, like you guys did a great job with with molding them from when you first started there because, you know, Rigo's not Rigo, Austin's not Austin, Andrew's not Andrew unless, you know, you guys put them where they're supposed to be and they're going to do that for the next group. So, like, that's what is continuously done, I feel like, in in our group. Do you feel like our seniors did that when you were young and now that's what you're doing? Yeah, I felt like it was just passed down every year, whether it was uh, with Frankie, Eden, Kavan, CI, everybody just passed down that motor just to win. And be the best that we could be. Great. And, you know, James, you have so many great memories of being a Dolphin. Like I mentioned before, three championships you've appeared in. You're part of the very first ever Division II team at the college. What will you miss the most about being a Dolphin? Uh, like, like I said, I've attended some of your practices. I know you guys, I know they're intense, but I know you guys have a lot of fun and a lot of laughter as well. Those bus trips can be a lot of fun. Obviously, the trips you've taken. What What will be the single biggest thing that you miss most about this program probably, probably just going into practice with the team just 
every day was something new with them. Yeah. So, probably just going to miss being around the guys and everybody on that team. Yep, and uh, we even got you to do a walk with one time. So that was that yeah. was fun. I know you were ducking yeah. us for a little while, but we got you. Um, yeah, you did. Along the, along the same lines, James, uh, your best memory. I know, uh, obviously, the championships must be up there. But if you if you had to pick one of your top memories of being in a Dolphins uniform, what would it be? So, yeah, probably... Um, one of the best memories would probably be just winning the second championship and then going up to Cabrini because we, that was just such an intense game up in Cabrini, mm-hmm. like back to back intense games. We had the championship and then we're going straight into uh, the NCAA tournament playing one of the better teams in like division three. Uh, it was just such a great experience. It really was, even though we came out lost, it was a really great time. Uh, right. th- that Cabrini game, you know, was, was intense. I, you know, I think everybody on our roster thought we should have probably won that game. And, you know, mm-hmm. it seems like we're always on the receiving end of a buzzer Peter instead of, instead of winning yeah. with the buzzer often. But uh, that was a great memory for me as well. So a very good choice. You know, James, what, what a lot of people might not know, um, you know, obviously, especially years and years and years from now is that you, you've also graduated from CSI and you did so under very adverse conditions. You know, COVID-19 really derailed our entire livelihood. It obviously wiped out mm-hmm. spring sports. Uh, if you guys were in the postseason, you were at risk of, of losing that, obviously, as well. Um, yeah. What was this last semester like for you, wrapping up your academic career the way it did? I don't, you know, obviously, you know, there was no commencement, so there is no cap and gown ceremony. What was that like psychologically for you? You know, tell me a little bit about what this last semester was like for you. It's definitely been, it was definitely weird because I just remember going into my last class, hearing about all this COVID, but it was definitely the change from going in classroom to online. You just had to adjust and adapt to the learnings and had to do for the classes. Yeah, it's and it's funny. Every single student athlete I speak to, they have such a different take on on COVID and the remote learning. Some students have told me, man, Dave, I loved it. It was like, uh, I can go to class in my living room. It didn't matter if I was in my pajamas or not. And then other kids were like, it was the worst thing ever because I couldn't wake up. I procrastinated all the time. I didn't get my stuff done. What, you know, what was that like for you? Did you, as far as the learning part of it, was it accommodating for you or w- would you rather be in the classroom? Um, for like one of my classes, I would have rather been in the classroom, but everything else was fine. Great. Uh, with uh, with my other classes, it's like the my last accounting I wanted to take in the classroom, mm. just because it was like um, one of the harder ones. But sure. that's about it. Everything else was easier. Gotcha. And I know um, uh, before we you know we hit the record button on this segment, you were telling me a little bit about about your next moves, and you haven't you know figured out uh, where yet, but you are pursuing graduate school. Tell me a little bit about mm-hmm. you know what might be next for you, what career paths you're looking into, and um, mm-hmm. you know when we speak again, you know whenever it is, uh, what you'll be up to. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to. I'm pursuing the master, uh, my master's for accounting right now, and I'll probably end up taking the um, CPA tests mm-hmm. for uh, so I become uh, CPA. And then I'll probably try to, um, I'm going to try to get interviews for the big four firms and uh, try to pursue that uh, area. 
excellent. That's uh, that's phenomenal moves, and best of luck to you, James, with that. And and uh, one one last question that I I like to ask all of our graduated seniors is is you know what role does basketball play in your life now? I know some of our alumni say you know you know that's it for me. Maybe I'll play recreationally here and there. Others like to go into coaching. Others still want to play as often as possible, and wherever there's there's a court, you can find them. You know where does basketball mm-hmm. kind of stand in your life now? Uh, I'm hoping it's still going to be a big part. I definitely want to um, pursue coaching in some form at, at one point in my lifetime, whether it's sooner than later. But I'll definitely still be playing whenever I get the chance, whenever I have free time. Excellent. Well, you know, James, I hope, uh, you know, if you're, if your master's pursuits stay at Staten Island, then I, I know for sure that we'll probably be seeing you through the halls every now and then. But if it's elsewhere, mm-hmm. I do hope that you'll, that you'll continue to stay connected with us. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you as a part of our program for four years. Um, you know, mm-hmm. four year players are a hot commodity and you've been an excellent student an excellent athlete for us, a stand up gentleman, a great family. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to miss seeing you around. And, um, you know, I do hope that we get to see you more and more. All right, thank you. Absolutely. So that's James Delahanty joining Nick and I here on episode 29. A great career, great moments uh, at CSI. He's part of the number six moment on the Sportsnet countdown that Nick and I uh, looked at a little earlier. CSI's game against CCNY. And then the flashback Friday was CSI's riveting 103 to 98 double overtime victory over Curry in the uh, Tournament of Heroes. If you haven't checked it out, be sure to do that on CSIDolphins.com. Revisit our podcast whenever you want uh, on all the channels where you can find this. James, thanks again. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. You got it. Thanks, James. That was James Delahanty. When Nick and I come back from commercial break, we will wrap up episode 29 of the Dolphin Pod. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. In NCAA Division II, student-athletes leave a lasting impression on their communities. That's because Division II student-athletes want to make a difference and truly be part of their surrounding communities. Through community engagement, thousands of student-athletes from various backgrounds interact with community members who view them as role models. This interaction leaves a positive and perhaps even life-changing impression on all those involved. In Division II, we rise to the opportunity and make community engagement ours. Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod, right here on CSIDolphins.com. Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod, right here, episode 29. We are premiering on Friday, July 24th, 2020. So glad uh, that you've been able to join us on what was a packed show um, for Nick and I. Uh, We had Charles Gomes earlier in the broadcast talking about the ECC suspensions of the fall season. We're going to speak to Charles a lot more about that over the course of the summer. And of course, our featured guest was James Delahanty. Uh, Nick, that was the most I've ever heard James speak in, in three, well, four years combined. That was definitely the most, but he's a great kid. And every time I've had an a chance to have a conversation with him. It's always been a good one, and I'm glad we got to do this uh, with him. Uh, it was a nice, uh, nice experience for me. I hope it was for you as well. Yeah, well, on the other hand, that was the least I've ever heard <laughs> James Delahanty speak. So we got both sides of the uh, the spoon there. Okay, um, but yeah, James James was great. I mean, I think his insight is great, especially coming from you know as as um, 
as big of a resume as he has at CSI, you can't get a better resume and you can't get a better kid. So to see his growth through the years was, was amazing. Yeah, and we've had we've had a long run of Delahanty in the building. You alluded to it as well during our conversation with him. So um, I do hope to see you know the 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 Delahantys at our at our future game. They they've sort of become that staple for us in the stands uh, as well. So um, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna miss that. I, I hope we get to see uh, James and his brother and his family continue to to uh, to frequent the tank and and come to our games whenever we tip off. Yeah, I, I think that's it. That's an easy yes. I think it'll 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 see how much Tom actually cares because he used to just come for James, and so now he's got to come for other reasons. But I think we're going to see a lot of James around, and, and I I like that he's thinking about coaching at some point. He definitely should. Um, he he's got more than half of the basketball IQ some of us have. So yeah, he definitely would be a great addition to any coaching staff anywhere. Yeah, I have a I have a sneaky suspicion you'll be right that we'll be seeing more of him and and I agree. I think that uh, you know, he has a great mind for the game and and certainly uh hope to see him on a sideline somewhere uh very soon and wish him all the best in his pursuits and you know, just rewinding a little bit uh you know, Nick back to our first guest and Charles Gomes. I know we didn't get a chance to speak to him often and we didn't really get a chance to break it down uh when he was on the air because we had to get James on as well, but um, you know, Charles is a, a sponge of knowledge at this point, um, kind of the gatekeeper of information. I know um, talking with him every day, he's still looking for some answers, but it's going to be really great to kind of pick his brain during this um, during this uh, pandemic summer for a number of reasons. Um, you almost for selfish reasons, right? Because your your sport is very much impacted by this ECC kind of suspension until July 1. That kind of takes you right to your midseason. Um, so there's going to be a lot of questions surrounding that. And I'm sure your student athletes, your parents will have questions as well. So it's going to be really important for us to ask him the right questions so that, um, you know, we have a good bed of knowledge going into the fall. I think that's, that's a great idea too, with the questions, because who's it better to get from than Charles? Right. You get it right from, from the top source that you can get it from and, and to consistently even ask the same question over and over the, the answers are changing every day as we're learning. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, for us starting now in January, it's like, you know, when are we going to start? Are we going to start in January? Are we going to start before that? It's a game's going to start in January. So, you know, Charles is going to be the, the number one person for information and for him sharing some time to, to come on and, and answer some questions about it. Like, you have to use that that source right there because it's coming right from the cow. Right. And uh, and speaking of those of those questions, uh, CSI, like we mentioned during Charles's segment, does have a landing page that's all COVID related. And if you scroll down to the bottom of that page, you could submit your question for Charles Gomes that he will answer on this show. We might have him on every Friday. We might have him on midweek for just a COVID special. Whatever we decide to do, Charles will answer your questions that you submit. So go to CSIDolphins.com and click on the red banner at the top of the page, which is the COVID state. Statement. That'll take you to our landing page, an opportunity to ask questions there. And we'll have a lot more information on that page as well as it becomes available. Things like the, the Dolphin Cove, um, you know, the start of our seasons, when schedules and rosters uh, will be posted, posted, things like that. And of course, any show that we do that is uh, COVID related, we'll have up there as well. So plenty of chance for everybody to get involved and uh, really stay informed at CSI. And, uh, and Nick and I will be with you every step of the way to kind of guide you through it uh nick one show down how was it for you 
Yeah, I loved it. I enjoyed it. Like I said before, I think you're trying to keep me a little comfortable bringing so much basketball <laughs> on, but I'm ready for the challenge of another sport when it comes. But I enjoyed it. Um, I, I enjoy, you know, talking with you and talking with anybody about CSI is, is an easy topic. Right. And uh, next week, uh, we will have the number five moments that we'll be uh, keying in on Sports Then and Flashback Friday. And uh, we don't give away spoilers here, but if I could just give a little uh, nugget of some info, Nick, I will tell you, I hate to burst your bubble, but we will have a non-basketball guest uh, for next week. So we'll keep you on your toes there. <laughs> I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm more excited for that. Excellent. So, um, you know, number five in our countdown means that we're almost halfway through the summer. It's hard to believe, but uh, that's where we're headed. So um, for everybody here at the College of Staten Island, for our guests, James Delahanty, Charles Gomes, for Nick Duran, this is David Pizzuto wishing you a great rest of weekend. Be sure to tune in next Friday for a brand new episode of The Dolphin Pod. Thanks for joining us. been listening to the dolphin pod remember to check us out next week when we bring you a brand new show and check out our archive broadcast throughout the year at www.csidolphins.com backslash podcasts or on any of the broadcast channels like spotify apple podcasts radio public breaker and google podcasts if you have questions comments would like to be booked on the show or have an idea for a guest you'd like to see on the show be sure to leave us feedback and catch all of our shows right here at csidolphins.com backslash podcast. From all of us here at the College of Staten Island, thank you for listening to the Dolphin Pod.